Welcome to the podcast of ideas. I'm Rob Lyons. So this week we're having a bit of a Battle of Ideas special. Um, it's now only a few days until our annual festival at the Barbican in London. And joining me to discuss what's going to be going on and the, the themes, the debates and the speakers that we've got coming along to this year's festival. I'm joined by Claire Fox and David Bowden. Claire, what do you see as the kind of overarching themes or the big issues that we need to get to grips with over the weekend? One of the things that's exciting is that we've had a number of international battle satellites already in Warsaw, in Brussels. We've got forthcoming debates in Stockholm, in Zurich, all over the place. And the the reason I'm mentioning those is because one of the exciting things is many of the people involved in those international satellites are coming over to speak to visit as our guests and I think that what I would say the theme or the way I think it will work out is is that it really hopefully will be a conversation amongst Europeans who are interested in politics, what's going on, not being satisfied with the kind of usual Europe debate at a kind of bureaucratic level but a real conversation amongst European intellectuals, amongst European students, amongst Europeans who are interested in the fate of Europe but not particularly attached to only seeing Europe through the EU. And I also think that kind of international theme is very important for one of the big issues that we're going to be talking about at the battle, which are issues both around free speech, but also around genuinely a battle of ideas for the hearts and minds of young people. So we've got a gathering of young Arab voices who are coming from a range of places in in the Middle East and and North Africa who are going to talk about resisting radicalisation and a theme about why young people are joining ISIS. There's a fantastic strand of debates called War and Peace. Not only is it the greatest novel ever written, but it's not a bad strand, Um, but it's actually looking at the changing nature of warfare, drones, the changing nature of war reporting, but there's also one on asymmetric warfare and the new terrorism, which, again, I, I think will be fascinating to have an international audience considering those things about what on earth is going on in the world uh, in international relations, but also why particularly young people in the Middle East, but even possibly more peculiarly in Europe, might be attracted to join an organisation like ISIS. And trying to get to the bottom of those things will be very important. Yeah, that's what's, uh, what is brilliant about the festival, and the, the festival's bigger than ever this year, is the sort of reach of the festival. So one of the strands that we've got is on economic solutions, but we're not just talking about the economy in the British sense, but we're looking at it much more broadly as well. So there's um, an evening debate on Saturday about the East Asian economy. And you know, people have obviously noticed that China has become a major cause of concern for economists around the world, that it seems to be slowing down. But it's not just the re- relationship between the West and China that we need to be concerned about. It's, it's, it's also about you know, what, what happens across East Asia. So one of the speakers on the panel we've got is from Japan, and he'll be giving us a Japanese perspective on that. So we, we're looking at these things through sort of like a sort of very wide-angled lens, as well as looking at them in, in some depth. Dave, what, what sessions have you picked up on particularly? Yeah, well, it's interesting to talk about it in the international sense, because of course this year started with 
the terrible events at Charlie Hebdo, where he had a journalist murdered for saying offensive things, for producing offensive cartoons that people felt caricatured Muslims. And that kind of set up a real division around people's attitudes to whether this was acceptable or not. Obviously, no one was really willing to say that the people we murdered was acceptable. There was a kind of acceptance from a lot of people that a line had been crossed somehow. Um, and that's a debate that we're kind of revisiting around artistic freedom and its sort of limits. We're doing a, a, a good head-on a, a discussion of that in partnership with Index on Censorship, looking at various instances of artistic censorship and whether there are actually some areas you can say to artists you shouldn't be willing to go. But also we're taking on actually some of the more difficult and challenging areas where they come up. It's not just about having the same discussions that we're uh, sort of familiar with and kind of trying to work out our positions on the familiar issues, but it's new and slightly more complicated areas. So there is the whole argument around Gamergate, which perhaps some people may not be aware of. They may be aware of it, of something that's been going on in the Twitter sphere, which is an argument amongst people in the video games community. It's an argument about whether video games are sexist, whether they uphold misogynistic tropes, um, and whether there needs to be more of a movement against to challenge that. So you've had various kind of critics um, who have emerged over the past couple of years who really try and call upon the gaming world to uh, have a more responsible attitude um, in how it portrays women, you know, other races, um, a kind of variety of concerns. That's provoked quite a strong, uh, quite severe backlash from a lot of video gamers who feel as if they're freedom of speech in their kind of private world of fantasy has been threatened and in many ways they have behaved you know i think in a fairly immature fashion in some of their uh, responses to it and there's a kind of very bitter vicious row going on but at its heart there is actually a really interesting row going on here in a kind of relatively new art form does the interactivity of games change how we how we view them is it just the matter that we are the sort of passive spectators of these things and therefore we can trust ourselves to to make our own minds up or do we become slightly more uncomfortable uh when there's an element of actually being an active participant as a gamer in these kind of discussions does the whole discussion around media effects hold water in this new setting or doesn't it and that's kind of going to be an interesting round to to pick apart both in a session about video games and whether it is corrupting our youth where we've got christina hoff summers um, who's a kind of outspoken, factual feminist um, alongside a series of games journalists and gamers. We also have one on the politics of geek culture, so looking at why all of these kind of battles around representation in the media, particularly in geek subcultures, which used to stand apart from the, the mainstream, now seem to be the kind of byword for all of the battles over misogyny, racism today. And it's sort of asking, is that a useful way to being able to confront these issues to the same free speech arguments still hold water? Do you have to go along with what everything that people sort of say when they're trying to defend freedom of speech in games? Or can you still have the right to criticise some of the positions that they hold on certain things without infringing their free speech? And that also will come together in a session that I'm chairing on mob culture and the kind of culture of online shaming and the kind of use of sort of Twitter mobs, where we have the comedian Dapper Laughs um, speaking on the panel. And he is obviously somebody who plays a kind of uh, a character on stage which may or may not be very closely aligned to Daniel O'Reilly, who's the person who plays him, which is a kind of offensive, misogynistic pickup artist. You know, it's somebody who kind of trivialises rape uh, in, his, in his shows. Um, he's also 
has an audience that people find him very amusing and people are troubled by that they don't want him to be able to have a platform to speak and he's exactly the kind of person who people really say you shouldn't have on a platform you shouldn't let this person take part in a debate but i'm very pleased that he actually wants to take part in a debate around online social media shaming and he can put forward his his view on that as a as an individual not as dapper last but as daniel o'reilly but reflecting on that as a character and he'll be doing that in conversation with a sort of series of other journalists, campaigners, Kathy Young, who's an American journalist, who's done an awful lot of good work looking at the way in which the Tim Hunt affair, for instance, was kind of exaggerated and he became a very kind of very real hate figure. So she's very critical of online social shaming in that regard. In other regards, sees it as a positive force because she sees it as a useful kind of kickback against political correctness. Um, so I think that's going to be a really interesting and challenging discussion. Talking of geek stuff, for me, as the Institute's in-house geek, um, funnily enough, I'm the things that are interesting me are not the video game stuff, but more the science and technology strands. Um, so in terms of tech, we've got a, a whole strand of debates on the new industrial revolution and you know, to what extent can artificial intelligence, robots, and new innovations in uh, technology kind of provide a new starting point for economics and for you know transforming the UK economy and the world economy and in terms of science the battle over life and death is bringing a lot of very significant medical issues into to focus and so we can talk about the science behind those things but more importantly the kind of philosophy and ethics behind those and the one that's really attracting attention within that strand because it's a bit of a kind of verboten thing to talk about, is eugenics. And there's a very good panel of speakers there who's going to say, well, to what extent are the things that we're doing in terms of manipulating genes now, does that qualify as eugenics? What, what was the problem with eugenics in the past? And Because people re- tend to use the word eugenics as a kind of name-calling, as a term of abuse, but very rarely talk about it in a sort of historical and scientific way about what it all means and how relevant it is today. Claire, what do you think? Well, I, I, I was just um, thinking, uh, as both of you were speaking, that you know we start off the festival actually slightly differently this year with uh, the opening address uh, both being welcomed by uh, Leonora Thompson from the, the Barbican, which is great, but also we've got uh, Mick Hume, whose book Trigger Warning is the Fear of Being Offensive, Killing Free Speech. It's almost like the uh, you know it could be the book of the festival but he's starting off with that is really to kind of give a sense of why having free speech on these issues whether it's free speech about eugenics whether it's free speech and a proper discussion about immigration migration which is one of the new hot off the presses i.e that we have a no holes barred debate rather than than lots of discussions about free speech but there's also lots of discussions which require you to have a robust attitude to free speech to really get the most out of them and I think that in that sense certainly one of the strands that I think is likely to be quite lively um, and controversial um, are the debates around feminism and its discontents in fact uh, Christina Hoff Summers and Kathy Young um, or the American uh, writers that, that Dave has already referred to are both as featuring in that panel. But we've got some very difficult issues there, you know, about uh, rape culture. Is it kind of overhyped? 
whether the kind of whole issue of gender and, and you know, I think we're calling it pink stinks or, or something along those lines, um, the kind of rearing of, of young uh, women, you know, it, should we be giving them all guns, you know, all of these kind of issues, whether we have a differenti- differentiated attitude to the showing of breasts, depending on whether feminists are doing it, it's kind of free the nipple, in which case, uh, big tick. If it's page three, it's absolutely horrendous. And, you know, those kind of debates. And I'm chairing one there in, on identity politics and whether it's eating itself, which the answer quickly is... Yes, it is. Um, but we're going to be having a more, more in-depth discussion. And, you know, featuring on that, we've got uh, somebody like Julie Bindell, who uh, Julie and I disagree on, you know, probably most things. But she has uh, exhibited a fairly robust attitude to having open discussion and debate, which inevitably means that she's banned from every student union in the country. Um, and so in that sense, I'm glad to have her on a panel. Uh, and we'll look forward to uh, uh, sparring with her. Just, just, I suppose, uh, going back slightly on the uh, point that Dave made about the geek culture, that's actually in strand of debates on generation wars and new generation uh, issues around generation in as much as the geek culture is very much associated with young people in many ways, that debate. And we're delighted that we've got Lenore uh, Skanazi over, who is speaking on uh, Free Range Kids, which is a big movement in America about parenting. She launched, uh, she's, con- she's been dubbed the worst mum in America, and um, because she had the temerity to imagine that letting her kids go to the shops on their own uh, uh, was not something that was kind of akin to child abuse. She's coming over and giving actually a lecture with respondents. But we've also got some fantastic discussions there on the blaming of baby boomers. A great discussion, I think, on children's literature and whether we're being overprotective of children, suggesting that children's literature should be almost censored so that it's nice and safe and doesn't upset the kids. Uh, whereas actually it's always been the place of, of where you expect experiment through fantasy and allow children to have their imaginations uh, large in in all sorts of ways. So this programme is packed full of interesting things. And I think one of the things I said in my opening essay to the festival is I should issue a trigger warning now, which is if you're easily offended, you really just shouldn't come. I mean, this is a festival which requires you to exhibit a certain amount of autonomy. We've actually got a, a, a keynote panel on that very issue of autonomy and paternalism but if you kind of feel delicate about discussing issues that you find um that you that you if you're going to hear an argument that you don't like then i'm going to be an unusual director of a festival and say don't buy a ticket don't buy a ticket you'll hate it if however you're intellectually curious and up for an argument and and want to sort of see what you think about issues you know, whether that's um, the future of driving through to uh, issues around the future of India, then I would just suggest that you come with an open mind and with some arguments and be prepared to kind of meet your peers and have a discussion. So we've covered in all that that conversation, maybe 25% of the (laughs) festival or something, that's how big it is. Dave, your thoughts? Well, I... What I'm looking forward to most probably, and this is not just a a slightly flippant thing, are the drinks receptions we have at the end of Saturday and Sunday. And that's not actually because I just want to have a drink having gotten through all of that. Because what's actually really lovely about um, both of those times is that's the whole time when people at the festival who have been drawn together and discussing all of these different themes and strands get together and and have an argument over what what they've seen, actually. The kind of debates have served as a intellectual provocation to people hopefully challenge some of their preconceptions and give them something to debate about but really the festival works that when you step out of 
the debating chamber and you go into the next conversation you have with somebody more willing to to argue for a you know freedom hopefully have have out these kind of robust discussions in your day-to-day lives um and i think that's when it, i really feel like the festival has been a success when you see people you know who might not even encounter each other in, in normal day-to-day life having heated discussions over geek culture or feminism or gentrification or artificial intelligence or whatever um but they're having it with a kind of intensity and uh, hopefully a little bit of knowledge that they didn't have before so that's really the most exciting bit for me um, I just it was good fun because um, I had uh, um, I had lunch today with somebody who's uh, you know very interested in works in banking active in politics and he said what he's really looking forward to going to is how to listen to a poem and how to listen to a symphony over lunch because it would be so different and he just kind of thought that was like brilliant in the program and then I was talking to one of my friends over the weekend who's involved in the arts and I was kind of kept talking about the art sessions and said oh no I'm going to go to building on the green pulp because I've got very strong opinions on that and then I'm going to go to the session on China because I've got no opinions on that because I don't know what's going on so I might find something out and I think that's what really the festival's about there's a certain amount of serendipity you don't go to have your prejudices confirmed you go to actually learn the odd thing um, and to be open-minded and I always come out of that festival having learned a huge amount and really realising how much I don't know. I think that's probably a good thing. Well, uh, absolutely. Now, uh, just to let you know that the tickets are on sale, obviously, that there are plenty of regular standard tickets, but there are also a lot of special offers this year that um, will make it a lot easier for certain groups of people to come along. So um, students uh, can come along at at half price for the weekend, thanks to uh, sponsorship from BT. We've got sponsorship from a biotech company called Immunocore, who um, are sponsoring it for science, technology, technology, Sorry, what does STEM stand for? Anyway, STEM. Any, if you work in STEM and you're 27 and under. <laughs> <laughs> Those people, yes, they get cheap tickets as well. <laughs> and school students can come free for one day or £10 for the weekend. So there's a lot uh, of special offers on there to make sure that you know, everybody can come along to this. And I absolutely warmly recommend that you do. You will find it a fascinating event. To find out more about all of that, go to battleofideas.org.uk. All the ticket prices are there and all the details of all the sessions we've just been talking about. And thank you very much, Claire and Dave, for talking about the festival. Mm-hmm.